Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast of the Sunday morning sermons of the Bullard Church of Christ in Bullard, Texas. We hope you'll be blessed, challenged, and encouraged by today's lesson. Amen. Wonderful singing. It's so great to be here together this morning. We thank God for the blessing to assemble together, the freedom to assemble together and worship and fellowship. Remember what God has done for us through Christ and uh, to study His Word as well. We begin our new series this morning about finding our true identity. That's what we want to spend some time focusing on. Identity has always been important for people throughout all of history. Understanding our own individual identity or the identity of a group of people. Identity is just part of being human to understand it. Uh, And so we see it have, has changed and broadened over time. Nowadays, we have to worry about identity theft, don't we? Uh, in generations past, they never heard that term, never had to worry about it too much. Uh, social media influencers, other celebrities, their identity is their brand that they market, that they sell. And so we see identity in a lot of different ways but it's still getting at this idea, this question of, who am I? And the way we present ourselves to the world saying, this is who I am. Uh, Essentially, our identity answers that question, who am I? So think about this question. What makes us somebody? What's the makeup of your identity? What makes you somebody? Who you are? Here's some things to consider. Is it how much you're liked at school? Is it how many social events you're invited to? Is it how popular you are on social media? Is it how much education you have or how much money you have? Is it how important you are at work because of your position or power? Are those things what make up your identity? Well, I think we'd have to say, there's some contributing factors there, but that's not who you are, is it? Those don't make up your identity. So if I don't get invited to everything, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm a nobody. If I uh, am important at work, that doesn't make me someone and someone else a no one. So culture tells you you are what you possess. You are the image that you project or that you are uh, what your status is in culture. And and they say, that's your identity. Whatever you can can, uh, accumulate, that's who you are. Whatever kind of way you can prop yourself up and, and, and make yourself be perceived, that's who you are. But that's still not truly who you are. The problem with all of that is, is all of those things are what? External. Those are all external things. And you know what happens to all of those external factors? They change, don't they? They change. And, and so when those things change, when, when it, things change on social media or when the celebrity is now uh, older and not in their prime anymore, when you're not the boss anymore, where you're not the big time manager anymore, when, when those external factors change, then who are you? You're left without any identity, aren't you? If in fact you allow those things to tell you 
what your identity is. Our true identity needs to come from something more stable and sure. See, we can bounce around all over the place constantly trying to find identity in possessions, in in relationships, in status. And yet when those things change, we're always left to having to, to change ourselves, to make up a new identity, to recreate ourselves and all of this. And we go through life in that way. Or we can find true, lasting, real identity in God. And that's where we want to focus on. As we close out this year, it's coming to a close quickly, isn't it? We want to look at identity from the perspective of someone who is already a Christian. We want to think about it from that perspective. And so if you're already a New Testament Christian, then what does that mean? Who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to understand about myself? How should I see myself? What should I do with myself? We want to look at that. But if someone's not a Christian and they're listening uh, to, to this series and participating with us, we welcome that. We want that because we want them to see, here's how Christianity is supposed to look. Here's what it means, what it looks like to be a Christian. You know, I might not, might not always be the best example, but, but we want to hold up. Here's what we're supposed to look like, be like, and act like. And maybe that'll help all of us, and hopefully it will help that person who is not a Christian, to seriously consider the call of Christ and hopefully ask that question, what must I do to be saved? Jesus' call to all people is a call that is life-altering and life-changing. Look at Mark, Mark chapter 8, verses 35 through 37. Jesus said, For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? What is Jesus saying? He's saying that we have a choice in life. He's given us free will when God created us. We have free will. You can do do whatever you want to do. Did you know that? You can do whatever you want to do. You can chase your life to, to gain life on this world. You can chase that if you want to. Or you can lose your life, so to speak, in this world and not chase after all the things of this world and gain eternal life. But you've got to understand that either path, they, they have consequences. So you can do whatever you want to do in life. But every choice you make has a consequence. And Jesus is saying, if you, if you spend your life pursuing the things of this world, and for you, this is what life is, and, and this is who you are and what you're about, in the end, you're going to lose your life. But if you understand that there's something better, far greater beyond this life, and this life is not what your life is all about, 
amassing possessions and your status and all of that, you know, you know, to live it up and get it all while you live, while you live. You only live once, right? If, if that's not where you value, put your value, your worth, but you put it in Christ and the identity He gives you, then you'll lose your life here. In other words, you'll, you'll think less of this life because you're thinking more and most of the eternal life and you'll gain that reward in heaven. And so each of us are faced with a question. What is your eternal soul worth? Jesus asked that. What can you give in exchange for your soul? And yet every day, people exchange the things of this world for their soul. Christians realize that the eternal value of their soul and the riches of God's blessings of eternal life and salvation, they realize that and they devote themselves to living for Him. Jesus isn't saying that we can't enjoy this life. That's not what He's saying. He's talking about how we orient our life. What, what is our life centered on? Because when, when I want to gain life in this world, then if you realize all of those things are self-centered. They're about me and what I want and what elevates me and gets me more. That's what all of that is about. But the Christian realizes that that's not how I want to live. Their conviction is, I want to live a Christ-centered life because of what He's done for me and who He is, and I want my life to be devoted to Him. Paul said it like this in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, that's, the, that, that's my life now. So let me ask you this, how does a Christian have new identity? Let's think about that question. How does a Christian have new identity? You're a new creation. That's the first thing we want you to understand about finding your identity. Is that the first thing to understand is you're a new creation in Christ. So how is it that I'm a new creation? How is it that I have this new identity in Christ? It's because when you become a Christian, God gives you a new identity in Christ. And we're going to walk through uh, a lot of what that means. In Jesus, you're a new creation. The old King James says a new creature. You're altogether new, just like this caterpillar turning into a butterfly. But look at our main text in 2 Corinthians 5. Turn over there to chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, and we'll look at verses 14 through 17. Let me read that to you, and then we'll point some things out. Starting in verse 14, Paul writes, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who might live, who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Listen to verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Paul's saying something very similar to what we read that Jesus just said in in Mark chapter 8. He's saying something very similar to that. The same thing, really. He's saying you're new in Christ when you become a Christian. And the Christian is motivated by something altogether different than someone who's motivated by the things of the world. Paul says that it's the love of Christ that controls, the ESV says. That word, other translations say, compels or seizes or rules. It's Christ's love that that seizes and rules us now when we obey the gospel. Why? Because we understand who He is and what He's done for us. And the Christian's life now lives compelled by the love of Christ. The Christian no longer lives for themselves. You see how Paul is pointing out the difference between the way a Christian sees their identity and sees their life than the person who's not a Christian? Not that they never do any good deeds. I don't mean to imply that, someone who's not a Christian. But there's a different orientation in life. And when my orientation is towards Christ, when I'm in Christ, then my life is devoted to Him. And it's not devoted to the things that everything I want in life because I understand this is fleeting. It's meaningless, uh, Ecclesiastes would say. Instead, the Christian lives for the one who died for them and was raised. It's a Christ-centered life. Now, look at verse 17. Paul says these wonderful words. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, when you become a Christian, your identity is changed. You're handed a new identity, just like in the, the movies and TV shows when the guy's on the run and he goes to the secret guy who can make a fake ID and he gets a new identity. Or someone goes into witness protection, they get a new identity. But it's far more than that. It's on a spiritual, eternal level. You're giving a, given a brand new identity. And that old one is supposed to pass away. You're not that person anymore. That's not you anymore. You're not chasing the dollars anymore. You're not chasing all of the pleasures of life anymore. That's not what moves you every day. What moves you is to live a life that praises and magnifies Christ because of who He is and what He does. And so you go to work motivated by that instead of the motivations you used to have. In your relationships, you're motivated by magnifying Christ than you are what you used to be motivated by in relationships. You see, what moves us is different because we've been changed. We have a new identity. Uh, Your identity in Christ isn't about your status in life. It's about God's glory. Your identity in Christ isn't about the hurt that you've experienced in life. You know, some people, the hurt that happened in their life, that becomes their identity. That's who they are. And they, they're a record player set on repeat. And when the needle gets all the way to the inside, it lifts up and it goes back to the outside and drops back down and it starts playing again. That What happened in their life, that, that sad thing, that tragedy, that difficulty... That's their identity. 
And, and Paul is saying, that's not your identity. Is that a part of your story? Yes, but you're made new in Christ when you're a Christian. And you live for the praise and glory of God. See, uh, the end result of our new identity is that Jesus is praised and magnified in our lives. In, in Philippians 1, 20 and 21, we read that Paul wanted nothing more than his entire life to exalt Christ. He says, Christ will be, he, his hope was that Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm going to be alive, it, it, it means Christ. I mean, listen to the way he says that. He doesn't say it means I'm going to serve him. It means I'm going to try harder. It means I'm going to love others. He says, if I'm going to be alive, it means Christ. He just, he's everything to me. And, to, and if I die, then I gain, I win. Why? Because I'm a new creation in Christ and I have salvation. In the book Witnesses, Voices from the Holocaust, the authors interviewed Jewish survivors of the Nazi concentration camps. They told of how the Nazis' goal was to destroy the identity of each person and demoralize them. One survivor said it like this, Right after arriving to the concentration camp, we were herded into a room where all of our civil clothes or regular clothes that they wore uh, were taken off. We were shaved of all our hair. We were given a number that was tattooed on us. My number was 117022. This was supposed to be my name. I had no name anymore. That was it. And he writes about how that he tells about the effect of that, the way to just everybody's a number now. Everybody's wearing the same thing. You're not an individual anymore. You've lost your identity and how the effect that had on uh, the prisoners. You see, Satan wants to do the same thing to you. He wants to rob you of your identity. He wants to use sin and mistakes and, and problems. He wants to use whatever he can, your feelings, your emotions, your health. He wants to use whatever he can to rob you of your identity in Christ if you're a Christian. Anything he can do to make you uh, get distracted from who you are, to think that you're not worthy, that, that who do you think you are to live for Christ? Who do you think you are that God would love you and forgive you and care about you? Do you really think He's going to forget and forgive what you did after the life you've lived? And He wants to demoralize you and take you out. And that's exactly what they did in the Nazi concentration camps. He wants, he wants you to believe you're somebody else. And Paul's saying, no, remember who you are in Christ. Listen to 1 Peter 2.9. Peter says this of Christians, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. He says, remember who you are and recognize, realize who you are in Christ. 
So here's what Christians should, should do naturally. Declare the praises of God. Declare His excellencies. Uh, we're to tell of the wonderful things that He's done. We're to uh, tell others about His goodness. That's what we're supposed to do naturally because of who He is and what He's done for us by calling us out of darkness and into His wonderful light. You see, when a Christian comprehends this new identity, he can't help but want to praise God. He wants to sing out in worship. He wants to uh, focus on what Jesus did for us on the cross in the Lord's Supper. He wants to be a, a positive influence for Christ and share his faith in, in the community, in the workplace, and, and everywhere he goes. Now he lives a life centered on Jesus. The Christian has a different identity because they're born twice. Christians are born twice. You see, we're born, first of all, when God, as, as the psalmist wrote, knit us together in our mother's womb. He brings us into the world when we're born. And in the creation story, we learn that, that when God created Adam and Eve, uh, He created there. He created man and woman, didn't He? Uh, and he created man and woman in his image and likeness. He didn't create the baboon in his image and likeness. He didn't create the old whale out there in the ocean in his likeness and image. He didn't create the, the fly or the slug in his likeness and image. He created human beings in his image and likeness. That's, we're more valuable to him than the animals. We're, 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 we resemble him. The, the, the word is icon there. We're, we're a symbol of him. We represent him. We're like him. We're different than the others. And then the Genesis account tells us how sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world through the free will choice of Adam and Eve... It broke the relationship that humans had with God, that, that Adam and Eve had with God, and that stayed the case, for, you know, that was the case forever because we all choose to sin. And when we sin, we break that relationship between us and God. Sin broke everything. And God sent us His Son in order to fix things. Listen to the good news of what God did. We were separated from God because of sin, but the good news is, we find back in 2 Corinthians 5.18, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself. The New Living Translation says it this way. I like this. And all this is a gift from God, who brought us back to Himself, through Christ. Do you see that? Because sin separated us from God. In Christ, when you're a new creation in Jesus, then He has brought you back into a right relationship with God. 1 Corinthians 15.22, Paul said, In Adam all die because of sin, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. So how does God do this? Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, 3 and 5, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus was smart. He, 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 didn't, he just didn't understand. What he, help me understand, Jesus. How can a man be born again? And Jesus said, unless you're born of water and spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. What does that mean? I read a story where a guy said he and his family were hiking in the Rocky Mountains and saw a giant redwood tree 
that had split at its base at some point in its history. And over time, it had fallen over. And as time passed, the stump had rotted out. But you know what he noticed in the middle of that old, rotten, giant redwood stump? Was a new tree that was growing. A new redwood tree growing out of the old stump of that dead redwood tree. And that's what Jesus does for us, to us, and in us when we become Christians. We're a new creation and that that old self is supposed to die and fall over. (laughs) It's supposed to be gone and dead. We're not that person anymore. And out of that death comes a new life, that new identity in Christ, that new creation, that new creature in Christ. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul teaches about the new self, as he calls it. This new life we have in Christ. And in verse 1, he says, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. In verse 3, he says, For you have died, and your life now, your life is hidden with Christ in God. In verses 5-9, through Paul describes the lifestyle that he calls the old self, that, that old tree that's supposed to fall over and rot away. And he says, that's who you are, that's your identity outside of Christ. But in verse 10, he writes that in Christ, we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Does that sound familiar? That takes us back to the creation story where we were made in God's image and likeness. Sin broke everything and separated us from God. But in Christ, we can be brought back in a right relationship with God, given a new life. We're a new creation now resembling the image and likeness of God. Do you see how this new self This new identity is renewed in the knowledge of its creator. Well, how do we get this new self? That sounds good. How do I get it? How do I get in Christ? What do I have to do to be recreated, reborn, to get this new identity? Paul wrote about it in Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ were buried... Uh, We're baptized into his death. Verse 4, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So you hear the same, uh, uh, joined with him in his death, raised to life, buried with him. You hear this death and life. But Paul helps us understand right here, I'm talking about baptism. This happens when you obey the gospel, when you've heard the good news of Jesus and you say, I believe it. I believe Jesus is my Savior. I believe He's the Lord. I believe He died for my sins. And I want to turn away from that. I don't want to be that old tree anymore, that old self anymore. I want a new identity. I want to be made new in Christ. And he says, then you go down in the waters and you're united with Christ in His death, burial, resurrection, and you come up a a new creation with a new identity. You're raised to walk in newness of life. That's how I get this new identity. And as Christians, we're supposed to live in that new identity. 
Let me close with this. I forgot to bring it up. Jacob, bring me that towel uh, that I forgot. You have either heard or seen on Facebook or heard through others about Karen Vaughn's cousin, uh, Kathy. She was baptized last Sunday night. And she was here visiting from Pennsylvania for the holidays. And she was ready to put on Christ and baptism. She was ready to gain that new identity, that new life. Karen had talked with her for a long time, prayed with her. Imagine all that God has done over all these years to bring Kathy to that point where she was on Sunday night. And she went back home Friday. And as, as we like to do, we like to have... Sister Carmen does these for us. We like to have uh, their name and baptism date put on a towel just to help them remember as a commemorative thing uh, their, their new life in Christ and when that was. And so she's already home now, but we're going to mail this to her. And in fact, I just thought of this, Matt, I hope this is okay. I'd like to ask if people would like to write a card to her, a note to her. I guess we can put a box out somewhere, and if you could do that... Uh, Today would be great, and we will maybe we'll give it through Wednesday, and we'll put that in the library. You can drop a note in there, and we will include that with this towel, and, and we will mail that to her. But Sister Kathy understands now what that new identity in Christ is. She understands she's a new creation. And it's so easy for us when we've been Christians a while to forget, isn't it? And that's what we want to remind us of in this series. Remember who you are. Remember your new identity and live in that new identity. And if we need to pray for you this morning, encouraging your walk with Christ, we want to do so. And if you're ready for that new creation, that new identity in Christ, we want to help you have that this morning. Study with you or immerse you in water. Be raised to walk in newness of life. If we can serve you this morning, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing. We thank you again for listening today. If we can answer any questions for you or serve you in some way, please reach out to us. You can find our contact information and more on our website at bullardchurchofchrist.com. If this lesson has helped you, please rate our podcast and share it so more people can hear the Word of God. And please come visit as soon as you can. We meet on Sundays for class at 9 a.m., worship at 10 a.m., evening worship at 5, and Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. God bless you.